just explosive growth with uh, with the move relocation of the Dallas Cowboys there, Toyota North America moving there, and, and many many other large large firms that are they're going there. I think there's like sixty you know Fortune one thousand firms now looking at the Frisco area. But anyway, with this sort of explosive growth, the city of Frisco wanted a. R1 Research University, so a research university partnership, because mm-hmm. um, they saw that that sort of opportunity for research support, tech, technology transfer, that you know, whatever, but also the need to develop talent and a talent pipeline for all these companies that were going to be moving in. My name is Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to my masterclass. I have a PhD in education from West Virginia University. I have a master's in sport management and an MBA from the University of Massachusetts. I even have an undergraduate degree in sociology from William Patterson University. And currently, I'm the global scholar practitioner at HBCU, Florida Memorial University. But I also work for three of the largest sports brands in the world, Reebok, Champ Sports, and Foot Action. But I can't go anywhere without my Jordan 1s. Join me and my guests as we explore their rise to the top through adversity and challenges, it's time to help you find a hero in you. Welcome to my masterclass. Good day, everyone. We're back here on Dr. Mark's Masterclass podcast on the Mappy Sports Podcast Network. I've got a great friend of mine here today. I've got to give a big shout out to Innovation Media Enterprises, CN Aaron. Thank you for holding me down. And my man, my man, you know who he is. Gage on the Wheels of Steel, who's my sound engineer holding me down today, and my beautiful wife. Yes, I'm married. Yes, since we last talked, I was not married, but now I am married. My beautiful wife, Peru, is here. Baby, come over here. Say something to them in Mandarin. Tell them what's up. Say what's up to everybody. Take off the mask. Let them see your beautiful face. Tell them who you are. <laughs> say something in Mandarin to them. Everything in Mandarin? Yeah, say something in Mandarin. Say what's up, everybody. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me everybody, what, what did you say? I just said um, hello everyone, said I'm um, Dr. Mark's wife, and, and I think I just said that. I forgot. Okay, <laughs> okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> See, I put her on the spot. She didn't know I was going to say that. But I have my special guest. He's over here talking to my wife in Mandarin. But obviously, I understand a little bit what he's saying, but uh, I wanted to put them both on the spot by explaining what they said. Because um, a lot of times we talk on these shows, you're, you're speaking one language. And a lot of times, Americans, we speak, you know, English and Spanish. But then you might find some, some of us that speak German and, and, and maybe Mandarin and some other languages. But it's rare that you hear someone come on the show that said they have a wife or a spouse or a significant other or something that said they speak Mandarin. And we want to be global. Especially, this is Map Esports Podcast Network. We're talking about esports. Esports is not just in the United States. It's global, my friends. Isn't it, young man? Put him on the spot, too, over mm-hmm. here. I got, I, got a, I got a sixth grader in here who's going to also be, a, he's also part of my, my, my special guest list here today as well. So anyone that's inside this room, they're, they're game to be on the air, okay? Mm-hmm. So you, you, you go with that. He said, yeah, he's cool. Look at him. He's, 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 not, he's not nervous. His dad's a professor, so he knows how to conduct himself and report himself. But um, I just want to let everybody know that, um, uh, you know, we still are doing this thing here, practicing social distancing. And my wife wants me to make sure I have my mask on all the time like this and make sure my nose is up here. And I've got it like this like that. But because I'm amongst friends and I'm pretty far away from everybody, I cannot wear my mask. But I'm encouraging you to wear yours. We're still in that state 
We're still in that phase, my friends. We still have got to protect ourselves and protect the people around you. This is not a political issue, my friends. This is a safety issue. Please wear your mask and practice social distancing and, and use your sanitizer. Wash your hands. Simple things, but we got to still remind you. I'm going to remind you anyway. But today, we have a dear friend of mine, an educator like myself, but he's not just an regular educator. He's a pretty cool educator. He's not one of those guys that's going to sit there in class and make you sit there and read and PowerPoint you to death and you're like, oh my God, he is so boring. No, he's not like that. He's at UNT Frisco, one of the most innovative campuses in the United States, okay? And you know I've been to 500 plus campuses. If I'm saying it's an innovative campus, it's an innovative campus. And he gave me a tour of this amazing facility that I went probably about a year ago now, right? Mm -hmm. And they even have a podcast studio. We might even have to do our show from there one day. But it, it, the other day, I got a chance to go to one of our one of his colleagues and one of my dear friends who also was on the show, Dr. Bob here. We came to his uh, class the other day, and it was amazing. And my wife saw it for the first time, and she was just blown away by the building. And we got to get get over there. But but let's 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 let everybody know who do I have in the studio with me today. Uh, I have a dear friend of mine, Dr. Clint Bertel. He is the Director of External Relations at UNT Frisco, which is University of North Texas. And Frisco, that's another area. It's the Silicon Valley of eSports, my friends. That's where it's at. And Clint's going to talk a little bit about that as well. I call him Clint. you got to call him Dr. Clint, okay? If you're teaching, if you're a student, you're trying to go to class, you call him Doc, all right? I'm going to call him Clint because that's my man's. But I'm going to also be professional and call him Dr. Clint Patel today. How about that? He's also Assistant Professor of Management and Entrepreneurship. He uh, also has a career. He's not just, again, what makes him special, he's not just a professor, but he's also a practitioner. He comes from corporate America, worked for Southwest Airlines as well. He also worked for TCU, the Professor of Supply Chain, Chain Management. Uh, and he was educated at one of the best business schools and best schools in the country at Northwestern University and got his PhD from Oklahoma State University. My dear friend, Doc, what's up, man? Man, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me in, Doc. I appreciate yeah. it. You yeah, got man. two, Doc. What's up, Doc? Man, you put your son. I brought, I brought my bruiser, my uh, my football bruiser, yeah, 12-year-old, 150-pound uh, Texas-bred football player. That's what I brought. Did, did you, just, you just heard that. He said that pretty quickly. <laughs> Texas-bred football player, which means, you know, it's a religion down here, guys. I grew up in Jersey. We're good in track and wrestling and nothing like, nothing like Texas football. And you said he's a bruiser. He's a bruiser. We're on a run for a Super Bowl right now in uh, the what? Frisco Football League. And this man, uh, he's put some fear. He's put the, the fear of you know who in a lot of uh, young players who see him coming. He's he's a lead blocker and a defensive end. And uh, yeah, he's he's doing it right. He's got big dreams. Uh, JJ Watts is man right now. He wants to be so a JJ Watts. Folks, yeah, he likes to hit. Come people. come over here for a second. T t tell everybody. Tell her, look at that camera. Tell everybody your name. Uh, my name's Chip. Uh... Uh, yeah. You like to hit people? Yeah. yeah. Legally, right? Do <laughs> yeah. they get back up when you hit them? Some stay down. Some stay down. Okay. <laughs> okay. When he says that, you don't want to mess with this kid, okay? Don't want to mess with him. So what do you want to do when you graduate, when you when you get to college? Hi, well, high school first. Yeah. You, where do you want to go to college? Uh, I was thinking of, uh, I was thinking of uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, or... Texas. I can help him with that. So we, we're going to talk to you later about that with Clemson because I, I know Dabo. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. And I know the president of Clemson. Yes, that's my man. So, Doctor, yeah, we, we, got, we got one here from Clemson. He, he, he's, a 12, he's 12 years old. Okay. So my dear friend is the president of Clemson University. Uh, yes, we're, we're going to send a young man to you. Okay. So he's going to come down, see Dabo uh, in the next year or so, and we will see what happens in the next five to seven years. Okay. 
So say hi to everybody. He's going to play at Kyler Murray's home home place, Allen High School. That's where he's headed. So we'll wow. see. Wow, that's yeah, exciting. The big exciting. Man. I'm looking forward to hearing great things about you, and I hope you enjoy the show. Yeah. Okay. He also is a pretty good sports player, too. We're going to talk about that later as well. And like I said, I, I didn't know what I was going to introduce him. I had no idea. I didn't even know he's a bruiser. Well, all I know is this, that he's got his proud daddy right in front of me. Brother, tell us about your journey, man. How did you know that you were going to be in academia uh, after coming from corporate America and graduating from one of the best schools in the nation mm-hmm. in business? What was, that, what was that transition like? You know, man, that's a that's a great question. Um, I'd say it, it, it started at a very young age. So I, was a, I was a two-time preacher's kid. Both mom and dad were, were Methodist ministers. And so I grew up in the church and I raised to be a, a servant leader. Always love to give back and, and help others. But I found myself kind of being the person that people would come to to ask questions and mm-hmm. what should I do here? What should I do there? Uh, kind of thought I had a calling towards ministry for a little while. Mm-hmm. But then when I realized, saw what my mom and dad went through, I'm like, yeah, I don't think I want to be a preacher these days, you know? Decided to go into business. I had a great run in business, you know, worked for companies like Cracker Barrel, South, you know, American Airlines, Dr. Pepper, Cadbury Schweppes, Southwest Airlines, and, and it had a great run. But I love to learn. You know, one of my one of my greatest fears is that I'm going to wither away to nothing because I don't know anything anymore. You know, and I read uh, you know a great uh, a great quote one time. You know, the only thing that can't be taken away from you anymore is is, is your education. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so for me, it's about it's about learning more. But when you get to a certain point in your career, as you know, it's about giving back and it's about helping others achieve that 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 level of knowledge and inspiring them to be greater. And I had a chance to do that with with TCU as well as with Oklahoma State as I was going through that program. And, you know, when you see those eyes light up, you know, and whatnot, you know, when I was in, in, in industry helping people achieve their career, you know, set career goals and achieve them, um, you know, there's there's something rewarding in that. Even when you, you know, when you're a director and, and you help somebody else become a director and maybe they make vice president before you, you know, mm-hmm. seeing them achieve their goals and being a part of their journey is pretty awesome. You get to do that every day in the classroom, mm-hmm. you know, and at UNT with, you know, working with uh, a lot of, uh, you know, disadvantaged students, first generation students and that, that sort of thing. It, it just it, it, it makes you sleep well at night and you get up in the morning excited to go to work. And so, you know, my calling uh, towards academia, you know, that, that, that's where it's at. I think these days I love my job. So tell us, um, you talked about being a preacher's kid. And what was it like growing up in a household where you had expectations of living a life a certain kind of way? And then maybe your peers and the adults around you and your relatives looked at you as you're the standard. You have to act a certain way. Did you feel a lot of pressure growing up? You know, there was some. I, I had a I had a couple of great uh, parents, though, you know, that, that raised me with love and, and taught me respect. My great grandmother, you know, a, a proud Choctaw lady, you know, was was, you know, very influential in my life and taught me to respect respect my elders and, and uh, to be humble, you know, uh, with everything I could, but to be a leader. And, and if I was going to put my, you know, try to do something, be the best at whatever I tried to do. And, and so I kind of grew up with those, uh, you know, sorts of things instilled in me. Yeah. You know, growing up as, as a preacher's kid, especially when, when they're both preachers, you know, uh, you know, it's tough because in the Methodist church, you move around a lot. You know, a lot of, a lot of preacher's kids in different religions move around a lot, you right. know. And it was for me, it was typically small town, you know, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was younger, when I was kind of, you know, my son's age and we would move around, there's a lot of bullying, you know, that would go that would go on until you get to about high school and you start to hit puberty, you know, and you start to get a little bit bigger. You start to play some football and whatnot. And then all of a sudden you're the, you're the fresh meat moving into the small local hometown. Right. And so, and so, uh, so things kind of turned around. 
But I'll tell you what, Mark, I wore it as, as, as a badge of honor because, you know, a lot of people, when, they're, when you're younger, they don't quite understand it, but you do end up becoming a role model. And, and I think there's a lack of those, you know, today, right. um, especially positive influence role models. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, Mark, that people come up to me, you know, now that, that I'm an adult, I'm older, and they say, you know what, I, I just remember back and, you know, when we would invite you to those parties and, and, you know, you would come, but you'd be cool, you know, you wouldn't do the things everybody else was doing, right. you know, you, you'd be the guy that drive people home, you know, you know, or, or whatever it was. Now, not to say I didn't, you know, have my own rumble, you know, back in the day, you know, I mean, there were, there were times when I, I probably did some things I, I probably shouldn't have, but I always tried to be a good role model for others, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you know, growing up a preacher's kid, you know, the, the, the nice part about that Mark, is sometimes it's a get out of jail free card, you know, <laughs> there, there was, there were some times, you know, that I got in a, in a pinch, uh, you know, whether it was with the law, you know, doing something stupid like racing down Main Street, you know, or whatever. Whatever you do something um, bad, remember your father said that he did some bad stuff too. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You know, whenever, you know, in small town Oklahoma, you're getting a little, a little uh, fisty cuffs, you know, with some of the other guys, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the cops come around. Uh, you know, um, you know that when when they ask the preacher's kid, you know, hey, what's going on here? You say, well, Mr. Officer, I was, I was, I was trying to just demonstrate to these these men, that <laughs> it's time to go home. You know, we need to go home for the evening before curfew. You yeah. know, whatnot. So usually, I had to get out of jail free card. So, yeah. so there were some advantages to it. That's cool. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, and yeah. Then, so when you were growing up, because I, I think you and I are sim- similar ages, what, what was it like in terms of? I know our parents used to make us go outside and play. Mm-hmm. You know, and now young people they go out and play, as demonstrated by your son. But they also are playing video games a lot now. Mm-hmm. When we were younger, when I was growing up, television was the big thing. Okay, what would, what kind of games did you play? I know we had arcades; that was a big deal back in the day. What what kind of games did you play when you were growing up? Man, you know, so back in my day, we had gone out of Pong. We were in the early stage Ataris, so Atari was coming, and we got into the what was the Atari seventy two hundred or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Sega, yeah, Sega. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sega was big, right? The yeah. Sega Genesis, yeah. right? And then yeah. Nintendo was coming on, you know, yeah. it was coming on stage. So that was kind of my day and time. I got big into computer games. So, you know, actual actual keyboard, good old computer stuff back okay. before it, you know, kind of took its revolution. Uh, but that's kind of, you know, what, what, what I was about. And I was big into flight simulators, you know, and oh, that wow. sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So I was more into the, the warfare combat, you know, sort of games. Okay. Um did you but, think uh, that you wanted to be in a pilot at one point? I did. I did. You know, I grew up in the era of Top Gun. I wanted to be yes. Maverick. Maverick, yes. I wanted to yes, be Maverick. Yes, I wanted yes. to fly an F-14, yes. uh, you know, and, and that was my mission. In fact, had a, a appointment nomination to the Naval Academy. What? Senior year of high school, last game, broke my back. Oh, and, my goodness. And so I was, my goal was to, was to fly F-14s and play football at the Naval Academy. And wow. God had different plans for me, you yeah. know, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what happens. You watch the movie Top Gun. You have all these amazing dreams and. Very interesting movie, and uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, but yeah, so as you as you decided to go from Oklahoma to Northwestern, how did you get out to, to Chicago? How did you get out to? Yeah, well, it was actually by way of Nashville, and so straight out of school, I went to Nashville, Tennessee. I worked for a publishing company there for a very short time, kind of a scholarship payback sort of deal, mm-hmm. and then went to work immediately for Cracker Barrel, and uh, was part of kind of a turnaround team for them. While I was there, did a master's degree at Belmont University in Nashville. My wife uh, was going to Middle Tennessee. She played softball at Lipscomb University. Okay. Uh, and then when she finished, uh, I started my, my program at Belmont. She started her master's at MTSU. Uh, it actually wasn't until we came here. I did at Northwestern part-time uh, while I was working here. Wow. And so, uh, and and absolutely loved it, man. There's nothing more like waking up on that lake, walking that, that track, mm-hmm. you know. But that's how I ended up there. Anyway, in fact, Mark, it was when I went back to Northwestern and finished that program that I decided, you know what, it's time 
to break the golden handcuffs. You know, you get those golden handcuffs in industry. You know, yeah, yeah, you got yeah. you got a family of five. Uh, it's time to break the golden handcuffs, take that leap of faith. I'm being called to, to teach. Mm-hmm. I got to go get that PhD. And and it was after I got out of Northwestern, I'm like, it's time to, to go get the PhD. And Oklahoma State was where it was at. Okay, we're going to stop right here for a second. Before we go on further, I'm going to stop here for a break. But we're going to go back to he just said he had a family of five. Okay. We're going to stop on that. Let that marinate for a second. Because I forgot that, <laughs> okay? But I want to remind everyone we're listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass Podcast on the Map Esports Podcast Network and powered by, of course, Innovation Media Enterprises, Aaron and Sia. Thank you for holding me down. Great producers. And my man, Gage, on the wheels of steel. You know what the wheels of steel is? Turntables? You know what turntables are? Oh, my God. My man, pop culture references. This cat, this young man doesn't know. We're going to have to school him on what we gotta the wheels are. Two okay. turntables and a microphone. Yes. That's what we need. Yeah. yeah. Dad's about to spit some bars I, over here. Okay. I, <laughs> hey, I spit fire on the mic. <laughs> I do. Oh, my man. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, we don't plan this. This is how tight we are. I don't talk to Clint all the time. But when we talk, we talk. I remember about... Four months, three months ago, mm-hmm. you were trying to get in touch with me. Yep. And I was trying to get in touch with you. Oh, it was crazy. And there was something wrong with our technology. I don't know what it was. And I said, Clint does not love me anymore. And what did you say? I said, Mark, he's 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 gave up on me. He will not respond to my texts, <laughs> my calls, won't take he won't take my voicemails. Yeah. In fact, I think he's blocked me. He yeah. won't even go to voicemail. I anymore. thought he blocked me too, but it was like, No, I love you. What are you talking about? And we looked and said, Oh my God. But anytime we catch up, we always have that connection. It, there's some people that you meet in your life that you just, you know, you, you talk to them and they're nice and they're cool. But there's some people that you connect with and you don't have to talk to them for a week or, or a month or even a year. And you pick up where you left off. That's me and this brother right here. And you didn't even know that. See, mm-hmm. your dad and I got some something here. We got chemistry. Yes. Yeah. But we don't go back to okay, <laughs> five people. Okay. T- tell us about this family you have. Man, it's a it's a it's a busy family. So I married into softball. Let's start there. I married into softball. My wife, two time All American softball player. Wow. Her 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 sister, you know, Division One softball player, and and the whole lineage on that side of the family softball. My side, it was going to go the football route. Uh, and so uh, so I married into softball. That was an interesting journey. But but we had two girls first, right? Mm-hmm. So we had two girls first. So guess what sport they played, right? They they, they started out basketball because that's what she did in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Basketball and softball. So I've got two uh, two girls. One that's uh, just committed to play softball at Oklahoma Baptist University, and she mm-hmm. just signed her letter of intent. Uh, a fifteen year old who wants to one up sister and play D one. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see how that works out. And then I've got this young man who has visions of of being a football player. So, but yeah, so two girls and a boy, and then a beautiful wife that mm-hmm. keeps me straight and narrow. Uh, and then I guess we would say uh, two others. We have two dogs that also keep us crazy busy. <laughs> But, you know, I'll tell you what, my family of five with three kids that play select travel sports, it's a busy household. Every night is something. Every night. How do you manage that on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? Because you have different sports, obviously, Mm -hmm. different age groups. And then how do you manage it between you and your wife? Do you both go to different places? Do you go to the same places with your children? or? Yeah. Let me answer that first by saying... You only get to be dad once. Um, and so that's got to be a priority, right? You know, when I was early in my career, I traveled a lot. I wasn't home a lot. Um, and at a certain point in my career, as part of this calling towards academia that I had to become a professor, I realized I'm missing out on a lot, you know. And so 
every chance that I get now to go to one of their events, coach them, be at their games, I do it. Because you only get to do it once in your life. Wow. You know, you only get to do it once. Once it's gone, it's gone. Then you become grandpa, hopefully. Right? <laughs> but but you only get to be dad once. And I was missing out on that. So so the, the, the short answer to that question is yes. We have to split it up. Fortunately, we've got a 17-year-old now. She can drive. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, we're uh, anxiously awaiting the day our 15-year-old turns 16. So she can drive. Mm-hmm. But now we're, down, we're back down to two. So the, the oldest one's been a lot of chauffeuring. But we still chauffeur the, the two younger. So. Okay. Yeah, we, we go different directions a lot. And this is interesting. You talked about career paths and you obviously did corporate America like me and you realize, okay, I'm spending a lot of time away from home. How did, how did you decide on academia as, as that, that, as that being the, the way to balance it all for you and for you to have that, that opportunity to, to be close to your family, be able to educate, inspire and empower folks and also be with your wife now a lot, on a more consistent basis. How, how did you decide on academia? How did that happen? Yeah, that, that's a great question. You know, it's um, it has a lot to do with, um, I think, the, the ups and downs of the corporate world. You know, in my generation, and I think it still kind of continues somewhat to this today, the average career path or career tenure at any given company is about three to five years. You know, uh, by the time you've established that three to five mark, um, you know, a few different things happen. We hit a recession, you know, the company's bought out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there goes into some sort of a, a other sort of challenge. There's a management team change or whatever. Um, and so, you know, once you kind of achieve that manager level, director level, you start to see lots of ups and downs in terms of layoffs and restructuring and whatnot. When you start to get a larger family, that, that becomes a challenge. Um, I started to, to do a lot of work with universities where we would we would bring them on to do research for us, you know, and that sort of stuff. Uh, but again, I love to learn, you know, I love to learn. And so anytime I had a chance to take an exec ed type program, you know, or some sort of a class while I was working, I would jump on it. And every time I found I was in that classroom, ex, you know, sort of experience, whether I was going to a campus or we were bringing the school to our to our corporate headquarters, Man, I, that's I just really enjoyed it, you know, and it was just part of that that you know kind of just tingling in the back of my you know, that, that sort of thing ringing in my ear saying you should you should really think about this. And I had my mom also saying, you know, you would make a great professor, you know. Um, and so when you just got all these things coming at you, you got that. But I, you know, the thing I love about academia is um, you know unless. If, if you're good at what you do, of course, in any industry, you know, you're pretty secure. But but in academia, if if you're a good educator, mm-hmm. you know, um, security is pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. security is pretty good. And, and when you get to my age and, and you got a family of five, security is pretty important. And yeah. so so that was kind of the, 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 the cherry on top for me. So yeah. Now, UNT is a very special place, Frisco campus especially. What what um, how did that come about? And what is your role there? We, we talked about your title. Or what is your role there on a daily basis, and how did that even come about? Yeah, so University of Texas, of course, um, primarily originally located in Denton, Texas, which is north of Dallas. You know, Frisco now is the fastest growing city in the country. The, the county, Collin County, just explosive growth with uh, with the move, relocation of the Dallas Cowboys there, Toyota North America moving there, and, and many, many other large, large firms that are they're going there. I think there's like 60, you know, Fortune 1000 firms now looking at the Frisco area. But anyway, with this sort of explosive growth, the city of Frisco wanted a uh, R1 research university, so a research university partnership, because mm-hmm. they saw that that sort of opportunity for research support, tech, technology transfer, that you know, whatever, but also the need to develop talent and a talent pipeline for all these companies that were going to be moving in, right? Because mm-hmm. companies look at a new area, they're like, hey, that looks like a great place to set up with geography. 
but now tell me about people I can hire. And, and, and when I move my families there, where are their kids going to go to school? Right. That sort of thing. So, so UNT became a target. Um, I think there were a few other schools that were looked at, University of Texas, Dallas and SMU and the others that are in the area. But, you know, UNT Frisco um, is, is a bit of a, of a different sort of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, it's kind of a non-traditional university uh, model. We don't have dormitories. Mm-hmm. Um, we are trying, we, a, a lot of us, uh, kind of the, the mission there is we think there are a lot of things that are broken in higher ed that could be improved. We've become very regimented in the way higher ed is run you know, across the, the, the entire system. Mm-hmm. And we think there's some things to improve on. And so we're trying to work on improving those things, which we could, we could talk about here later. But in terms of me, you know, we already lived in Frisco. I was I was working at Southwest Airlines. Uh, I moved there from another company here locally. And so, again, just kind of one of those God things for me. You know, it just uh, the opportunity uh, opened up as I graduated, you know, had lots of different offers around from from great schools. Mm-hmm. But when University of Frisco, uh, I'm sorry, UNT Frisco came uh, came calling, uh, it was, you know, didn't have to move or whatnot. It was it was right there. It was local. But there was something else that was special about UNT that was different than all these other schools I looked at. First of all, UNT is is majority minority. Mm. So more than half the students are minorities. Mm. The other thing that was interesting to me about UNT was that about a third of the students are first generation, first generation low income students, mm-hmm. right? first generation college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had taught at Oklahoma State and, and TCU, you know, and, and some other places. And I, I noticed in some of these uh, kind of other larger universities, especially the private university setting, mm-hmm. you know, where there's, there's a higher tuition rate, you know, higher cost of, cost of attendance. You know, there's a lot of white collar students there, right? Mm-hmm. With students from white collar, you know, families. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, mm-hmm. um, there are some fantastic students at those schools. But, you know, when I had a chance to be a, an adjunct at, at, first at, at Denton, at UNT Denton, mm-hmm. um, and I started to notice something pretty quick. And it was this, Mark, that, um, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with a student who's first generation, who's, who's worked their way into school, mm-hmm. right, found a way. They found, mm-hmm. they found a way out of, out of the hood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and they, they were at the top of their class or at least enough to get into college. And in many cases, are working full time and going to school full time. Maybe maybe single parents. You know, mm-hmm. the grit factor yes. of the students at UNT are exponentially more, double, two, three, four, five, ten times more mm-hmm. than the students at these other schools. In fact, I would say put them side by side. Um, you know, give them a project and tell them to complete it under pressure. The UNT student will outshine every single time because mm-hmm. they know how to win. They know how to survive. You know, wow. their skills are incredible. They sometimes are a little rough around the edges. You know, when you come out of the hood, you may not know how to go to the, the nice, expensive dinner, you know, those sorts mm-hmm. of things. That's one of the things, Mark, that attracted me about UNT is we focus on not only the, the, the core education, which you would expect to get out of a degree, but we also work, us on, work on the soft skills and the other things necessary mm-hmm. to be successful. When I saw all those things, man, that's what attracted me to, to, to UNT. Wow. Well, t- tell us about the transition in terms of uh – Taking the skill sets that you learn in corporate America, all the things that your parents taught you, that you're teaching and instilling your children, how do you um, bring that to academia and to merge that with? Well, even if it's even if it's not a minority community, but how do you bring the, those skill sets, those soft skills, into academia? Because unfortunately. A lot of people in academia are not thinking about soft skills. We're just thinking, I want to get my paycheck and leave, or mm-hmm. I just want to PowerPoint you to death. Right. So how, how did you go about bringing that in there, incorporating that, but also being at a school that kind of celebrates that? Yeah. 
Yeah. This, it, you don't see too many schools that, that, that really embrace that. Other than the HBCUs, you see a lot of that at the HBCUs, but typically at predominantly white schools, you don't see majority. That's minority. That's number one. Right. Uh, but number two, how do you, how, how, how is UNT Frisco, uh, how, how, why did they create a model such as that? Yeah, yeah. So I've been to lots of schools. I've attended lots of classes. Had lots of different types of professors. And and you know when I would sit through those boring lectures, you know, in the lecture hall, sometimes it wasn't even the professor. It was the it was the TA that was teaching it. You know, right. and it was the professor's slides, but the TA's reading the slides. Right. You know, and I'm like, you Bueller. just hand me the slides. Bueller. Oh my man, I can't stand <laughs> it. So I realized I, I learned over time the kind of professor I didn't want to be. Right. Does that make sense? So I didn't want to be those types of professors. But your question is, how did I bring industry into the classroom? For me, so I teach business, entrepreneurship, strategy, problem solving, those sorts of things. You know, for me, um, I want to teach students things that they can use, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be that professor that when, they, when they're asked, you know, when they're 40, 50, 60, you know, who was the one professor that made an impact on you that they say Dr. Pertell, you know? Mm-hmm. So how do I do that? I bring the world into the classroom, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it's uh, whether it's bringing in CEOs or C-level folks from uh, from very large organizations. You know, we just brought the chief commercial officer from Microsoft into the classroom. We brought some NFL players into the classroom. We've brought some folks from, you know, that grew up in the hood from broken families, lived in a trailer, now multimillionaire entrepreneurs, alumni from UNT, you know, like to bring positive influence into the classroom, bring the war stories into the classroom. For inspiration, you know, but but I do one thing extra. So before these speakers arrive in the classroom, whatever the topic is, whoever the speaker is, I have the students do a little research on that on that person, mm-hmm. prepare two, you know, good questions in advance. And then after the person's done speaking, we'll spend 30 minutes to an hour in dialogue where they will ask any question that they want to ask. Usually it's about getting a job. You know, how do I be, how am I successful? What would you do in this situation? What advice would you have? And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But what, what, I've, what I've found from, you know, the folks that, that we've talked to, um, you know, that, that I've brought in the classroom and kind of debriefed with after, mm-hmm. you know, they say, man, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I've been a guest speaker before university. Mm-hmm. But man, it's your classroom's a little bit different. You know, those kids humbled me. They asked me questions I didn't expect to be asked, you know. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they stopped me. It wasn't a hard question. I just wasn't, I wasn't, you know, prepared for that real of a question, right. you know. Right. Again, I want things that they can use, that they can take out of here and, and, and do something with. As I tell them, I don't expect you to memorize a definition like the book has it, but I do expect you to get it. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, can you talk about it? Do you get it? Whatever it is that we're mm-hmm. talking about, if they can do that. They're going to do fine in my class. So tell me about because you and I talked about this, the the way the, the 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 projects that the students have and the, how they go about educating the students. And you know, you have a a, a community of young people now that are really connected to the esports mm-hmm. and video games. How do you incorporate that into the classroom, especially when you're sitting in Frisco, where it's considered the Silicon Valley for esports and video games? How do you incorporate that into your classroom presently? Mm-hmm. And uh, where do you see this going in terms of the video game industry, in terms of the academic side of it? Yeah, yeah I think that's a fantastic question. You know, it, it's interesting. I think a lot of the influencers that are out there today, the, the older generation, the, the our generation, mm-hmm. you know, I think – our generation has become those people that yeah. we kind of grew up with, you know, yeah. man, those people that are on video games all the time, you know, they just sit around, they do nothing, you know, and they don't, they don't talk anymore. They, you know, they text each other, they, they snap each other, they do this, that, and the other. 
You know, it's it's. Uh, but but they also said that about us when we got our cell phones. You know, they yes. said that about us when 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 we stopped. You know, going and riding our bikes and all that good stuff. And we turned out okay. Yeah, you we know? did. Yeah, we turned out okay. You know, it's interesting to me that you know our military looks at gamers as possible leaders. There's different types of leadership now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's different ways of socializing. Um, you know, the, the although it's a different connectedness, mm-hmm. the connectedness that we have, the access to information. You know that we have. So, so, uh, but what's really interesting about, about the gaming industry for me is gamification mm-hmm. of everything, making things interesting through competition, through challenge. So in, in my class, especially in, with our design students uh, that we have at UNT Frisco, you know, we, we look at design philosophy, designing things for humans. Mm-hmm. How do we make it challenging? How do we make it interesting? How do we solve a problem? So mm-hmm. right now, for, we have a partner every, every semester. This semester, our partner is Sam's Club. We're helping them uh, with some of their innovation topics, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why does Sam's Club want to work with us? Well, because they want to work with this generation that we have that's in college now. The, these 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 students are not only the future customers, but also the future employees, the future leaders within Sam's Club, mm-hmm. right? But, but you know, the, what are the students interested in? They're interested in looking at ways of creating user experience, right? User mm-hmm. interface. Mm-hmm. But they also appreciate that it, it may not be so much about the game itself, but more around the marketing and and the commerce that's generated from that industry, mm-hmm. right? And the things that can be done with esports beyond just playing the game and winning the game, mm-hmm. but the millions and millions of dollars, the thousands and millions of followers, mm-hmm. and the access to that industry, to that to that uh, customer base, consumer base mm-hmm. for influence for future purchases. And it, it gets our students excited, you know, and we try to bring that into the classroom every chance we can. What do you see this the esports and the video game industry incorporating into education? What do you see the future for education? Do you feel that um, educators need to be more understanding, like the the provost to the dean, the dean to the provost to the president? Do they need to be on? They need to understand this juggernaut, or can they survive? in the next five to ten years without incorporating some level of esports into their curriculum? I, I don't think they can. I don't think they can. I think if they become too stagnant, just like any any dinosaur, they become extinct. You know, I think communication is changing. In a post-COVID world where we've got Zoom, um, you know, and other sorts of conferencing technologies, I think, I think what we're going to see is is a movement where, you know, just like a video gamer can get on uh, PlayStation Plus, Plus or Xbox Live, we're going to see that in industry. We're going to see that in the classroom as well. I think what we're going to see, though, is a move from a uh, sort of, I would call it two-dimensional, you know, where you're on a screen and you see a face and you're talking in a Zoom-type conference or Microsoft mm-hmm. Teams-type conference. Where we're headed, and I think, you know, the gaming industry in many cases is, is leading us towards this, is more virtual reality, augmented reality. So so the classroom of tomorrow is going to be like putting on a HoloLens, you know, yeah. sitting in wherever you are. But you're when you put on the HoloLens, you're in the classroom right. with your fellow students and the professor. And you can look around, and it's just like you're in that classroom. Right. It's a very different experience. That stuff comes from the gaming industry. Right. You know, the innovation comes from gaming and the military, right? right. I think the military takes a lot from gaming as well. Yes. But I think, again, that gamification of things, including the classroom, including academia, I think I think that's where it's at. So, yeah, if, if the professors don't embrace it, let me, let me tell you one thing, Mark. The thing I found that the students like going to classes where there's some sort of technology involved, mm-hmm. where they can interact somehow, whether you've got on, you know, real time voting, real time polling, right? 
right? So you ask a question and you ask the students to answer and the, and the poll pops up on the screen and you can see people, you know, real live or, or, you know, hey, type in the words that you think of when I say this and a word cloud starts to evolve right there on screen and they can all see it. They can all engage that sort of engagement. Mm-hmm. Man, I'd rather much, much rather be in a class like that than hearing the Mueller you or yeah, you know yeah, sort of yeah, sort of yeah. model so again the, the professors that don't embrace the schools that don't embrace technology in the classroom i think they're gonna get left behind the, would you say that your fellow professors at, at unt are like that and if they are not like that uh, where could professors that may not have that skill set where could they learn that that's a fantastic question. So I think academia as a whole is a bit behind. I do think UNT, UNT Frisco, I think in particular, because we talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. We're constantly challenging each other and talking to each other about what are we using in a classroom? What what could we do better? Hey, I saw this. You might try this, you know, whatever, trying to get some free trials and then subscribing over time, whatever. But that's a challenge right now. I think for the industry as a whole, there's not a great source of information. So for what is out there, there's so many companies starting up. I was just asked to join the board of the the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And mm-hmm. an element of that, that is focused on pulling that information together for professors. But that's, and it's hard, man. There's hundreds, I'm, I'm sorry, if not I'm thousands. I got to stop you for a second. You see how he just casually threw that in there? He's like, <laughs> he was asked to be on the board of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> And he no, just casually a, a, said a division of it. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Bill and Melinda Gates. And he just casually just, that's why this man is so dope. That's why I love this cat. He just casually mentioned, yeah, I'm Bill and Melinda Gates. I'm on the board, you know. But you know, I'm I'm proud of you, bro. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate it. But you know, I think we've got to do things like that to, to help folks out. Because there's just too much information out there. It's hard to find it, you yes, know? Yes. It's hard to find it. And then when you do find it, if unless you know somebody who else has used it, you know, right, it's like, right. man, I don't know if I if I take a shot at this not because the, the students are gonna grade me at the end you know yes, so i don't yes. want to take a risk on it yes. so again things like that with the with the with the gates foundation is doing and, and other institutions or other organizations like that i think will help it's just a matter of time though uh, we, if we don't follow the revolution and stay ahead of it we will get left behind yes. we absolutely will. yes and I, I can attest i was in bob's class the other day with graduate students and he has a class on how to prepare students to be um the, the, the kind of manage, you know, working in the sports and entertainment industry as a consultant. That's the name of the class. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And the students are graduate students, but they're consulting with the Dallas Mavericks and the Mark Cubans of the world and, and the Dallas Stars. And they're providing uh, feedback on what they need to do to improve their business. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then yeah. I'm hearing about what you're doing in your class. I'm, I'm looking forward to coming to your class yeah. uh, soon Absolutely. because, again, I get a chance to, 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 to be immersed into that space. And it's just been pleasure talking to you we could talk for days man we uh, and and unfortunately we can't talk for days tonight you got to get the little man out to the football and i just want to say thank you for coming absolutely and joining me today maybe next time we can do it out on campus absolutely uh, because we you have that podcast studio in we sure do Frisco. we sure and, do um if people want to get in contact with you how do how do they get in contact with you yeah absolutely well you can connect with me on linkedin uh my uh, email address is clinton.pertel i'm sure they'll see my name uh, through yes, your podcast yes, but absolutely. clinton clinton.pertel at unt.edu. Okay. You can uh, connect with me either way there. I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, LinkedIn, Snapchat, and all that good stuff as well. You connect with me through that, Facebook. But I welcome people to, to reach out. If they have questions about yeah, you know, getting an education, coming to UNT, whatever the question is, I, I welcome it. Okay. So. Do you have anything you want to say to, to the parents out there that, or that, that, that want to send their kid to UNT or even just um, anyone out there in terms of just 
the, the, the knowledge that you've shared. You've shared so much today. But is there anything you want to say that that's meaningful to you that you want them to know? You know, I would, I would say this. I talk to so many students and parents these days. There's a lot of misinformation out there about the, uh, the, that, that college education, there's no value anymore. You know, I hear a lot of that. I, hear, I talk to a lot of students that say, you know, man, what I see in here, I don't need to go to college. You know, I do it on my own. I talk to so many, so many young, young men and women who have grand ideas to be the next Damon Johns, the next Elon Musk, you know, and whatnot. Um, but they don't understand the basic blocking and tackling of what it takes to become an entrepreneur, for example, mm-hmm. or a business person, for example. Um, you know, and, and as I start to talk to them, I, you know, and, and, I, and I challenge them on some of the things they see the world, they perceive the world to be, um, you know, uh, you know they, they quickly understand that maybe they don't have it all figured out. You know, um, I would say, uh, you know, if you're, if you're questioning whether or not I should go to college, take another look. Talk to somebody like Dr. Mark or me, you know, and, and just make sure you fully have, you have all the right information, not the wrong information. You know, college isn't for everybody. That's right. for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's for a lot of people. I will say that. Yeah. Second thing I'll say is there, you know, not every college is for everybody, but there is a college out there for everybody, mm-hmm. right? You got to find the right place, the right home. You need to find a place like UNT. It's not about getting, not just about getting in the door. It's about getting you through right. and has the resources and support to get you through. So, you know, do your research, find the right place, find the home. There's lots of, you know, a lot of people are, are concerned with how am I going to pay for it? Yes, college is expensive, but they're not all crazy Ivy League prices, you right. know. So find the right one that's a good fit. Get the education. It's a springboard into opportunity, yes. right? Take advantage of opportunity. Don't don't slap opportunity down. Take advantage of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing I would say is, you know, um, aspire to be what you and I aspire to be, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody out there, you know, has the ability to be an influencer like you and me, right? Make a positive in- impact. But people tend to listen to those with, with, you know, kind of some street cred or some cred like, you know, you and I have developed. Right. You got to work on that. You got to yes. build that, you yes. know? But, but once you've put your mind to it and your heart to it, you can do it. So I would say the, the final thing is, you know, at, at, have a plan to give back and yes. have a plan to give back. It's not all about me, 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 I, 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 right? Yes. At some point it's about us, right? Yes. How do we give back? So that's, that'd be my final thought. Final thought, Dr. Clint Pertel, my man, UNT, uh, Frisco, uh, just, I don't even know what to call you anymore, but just, I, I just appreciate you, brother. For Absolutely. Being here. Uh, love how your young, your young man, you turned into a great young man over here. He's been patient sitting here. He's not fidgeting around. Uh, he gets it. My wife, obviously, she, she likes to hear me talk. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's been a great, great time here. We're gonna, we're gonna have Clint back on, Doctor Patel back on here. I think we're probably gonna go up to UNT Frisco. Uh, so, see and Aaron, we're gonna go up to UNT Frisco the next time. Uh, they've got a great podcast studio there. Uh, Gage, you get ready. We're getting ready. So, again, you've been watching, listening, watching, and listening to Doctor Mark's Masterclass Podcast here on Map Esports Podcast Network. Thanks again to uh, media, the uh, media enterprise, the innovation media enterprise, the CN Aaron. Thank you for holding me down. Always gauge man on the one and twos. We're going to teach you about the one and twos, young man. Uh, turntables, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got to make sure he understands that jargon. Uh, and also our 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 fearless leader, uh, Jacob Miles. Thank you so much for creating this amazing network. And sweetheart, I know. You said that uh, you didn't want to do this, um, and I will never make you do something you don't want to do. But I know you're smiling now, so we, we got to have you. Uh, to support you. Yeah, you're going to support me. Yes. Okay. But ma- I want to make sure you say goodbye to them in Mandarin. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to say to everyone that uh, 
you can you control three things. You can't control other people. You can control yourself. You control what you think, what you do, and what you say. That's it. What you think, what you do, and what you say. And on that note, this is Dr. Mark's Masterclass Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Williams, and this is my beautiful wife, Peru. Tell everybody what's up. Say goodbye in Mandarin. Uh, 希望大家呢都有呃喜欢今天节目，那、啊、跟大家说再见。嗯，谢谢你，再见，<笑>谢谢再见，再见，谢谢大家观观赏今天节目。And on that note, peace. We out. <笑>